Chrisanne, so good to see you here. Welcome home. Enjoying your niece? Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, so good. Well, uh, I want to talk to you about encountering God through promises. And uh, I tell you what, man, if, uh, so you guys didn't know what I was speaking about, but going through worship and then uh, watching what Derek and Shetisha did, I feel like I'm set up here. So this is going to be really good. So last week we gave our vision message, and we talked about one of the things uh, was why we exist. And so we got a little graphic for that. We talked about transformed people who tr- transform people, transform cities. You guys remember this? It was, it was two weeks ago. And so uh, pretty soon we'll be going to three Sundays. When's that starting? Look, this is the advanced group. I'll tell you what. This is the advanced group. This is awesome. so here's the four pillars. Um, I, I found out from my wife that I screwed up one of the pillars in the vision message. I actually, um, and so here it is right. So you're like, hold on, that's different. Yeah, my wife got it right. So uh, we're going to look at encountering God, belong and never stand alone, get trained and equipped, and commissioned to change the world. That's what we're going to really uh, train you guys on uh, in these next 12 months. And so today I want to look at encountering God through promises. So when I was in seminary, uh, we were, um, as they say in Latin, Maximus Brocus. And so we, um, so we're going through seminary, and we're just you know, just doing the you know the new couple thing. We're living in a 350 square foot apartment. This is kind of fun. And so we ate at a card table. And so the, the, I remember the place was so small. I could sit at the card table and I could reach anything in the apartment. So Mary's like, I need this. I could like reach back and like grab a table, you know, grab a plate, grab a napkin, just because the place was so small, right? And so funny, we just moved and we, um, haven't, we gave away a bunch of furniture and our new furniture hasn't come in yet. We're eating at the card table again. I'm like, here it is full circle. And we couldn't afford... Um, uh, a, a mattress, or not a mattress, uh, a bed frame. So we had our mattress on the floor, and our bed frame hasn't come in yet. So we got the mattress on the floor, back at the card table. I'm like, here we are again, newlyweds. It's so fun. And so here we are in seminary. So I'm going like double the full-time load, working full-time, so just really going through it. And I get a, a thing at the, at the end that's saying that you need $4,075 to graduate. You um, Otherwise, you don't get to graduate. And I'm like, seriously, after all this, like, I need $4,075, which I think at that time I was making $13,000 a year. And so <clears throat> that wasn't in the 1950s. It was in the 90s. And so, so I made me into that. And so my wife and I, we just kind of, we sought the Lord, and we just felt a real peace. Like, God's like, I'm going to provide for you. Like, I called you to seminary. I'm going to provide. And so I know sometimes people make needs known, right? And then the needs get met, and, you know, God gets a little bit of glory to that. <clears throat> but there's sometimes where God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to just tell him, and then he provides for us. So Mary and I felt like we, you know, our parents are very generous. They're, they're always making stuff happen for us. We're not going to let anybody know this. And so we just sought the Lord, and I think we had about a week for it, uh, maybe a week and a half to get the money in, or I wasn't going to graduate. And so, uh, we, you know, we prayed. And um, over, I think it was a four or five day period, we had three different checks came up, came to us. Um, one was from like a third cousin that I hadn't talked to in years. Uh, one was from a person I hadn't talked to in over a decade that lived in a different state. It wasn't a family member, literally just hadn't talked to them in a decade. And, uh, there, was, and there was a third check. And so uh, anyone want to guess what the amount added up to? $4,075. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And so um, there, there's something about when God gives a promise, like I want you guys to get this. How many of you guys have heard the phrase, all of God's promises are yes and amen? God's part is the yes, our part is the amen. Okay, there has to be an agreement coming into it. There's just something powerful. That, that's the Christian life. And so uh, faith trains your mind how to think and your eyes how to see. All right, I'm just going to keep going on that one. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1.20 again. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. 
That is why it is through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. So God's part is the yes. Our part is coming into agreement, is giving that amen to it. So what's the point? Throughout scripture, God is always looking for two or three witnesses. He's looking to co-labor. He doesn't just do things willy-nilly, like, I don't care what these people do. I'm just going to... No, no. He's looking to partner. He's looking to co-labor. So he's always looking to get two or three witnesses. So God says, I'm going to give this promise, and I'm going to give my witness to it. There's the first witness, the yes. He says, but I'm looking for someone on earth to come into agreement to be that second witness, to be that amen to it. So God, he throws out these promises that are wild and extreme beyond imagination. I mean, have you seen some of these promises that God has made? And, but he's looking for people who will see that promise and then resolve in their hearts to say amen, which means so be it. I'm coming into agreement with it. And the amen is, it's, I think a lot of people think amen is like, um, it's not this mental assent. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's a good one. No, it's not this mental assent. It's, it's this coming into agreement face-to-face with this promise and a yielding in my life to saying, God, I will be the person who this comes to pass through because of what Jesus has done. It's coming face-to-face with God and yielding yourself to see that fulfillment of what he's declared. So we see this in the Christmas story. See how I'm linking it to the Christmas story? This is powerful here. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was the mom of John the Baptist, but she was also Mary, the mother of Jesus' cousin. We got it? Family tree? You can see it? All right. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting might this be? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? How many guys know that's a pretty good question? Someone comes and is like, hey, you're about to get pregnant, and they're like, I'm a virgin. Like, that's a logical response. That That is a reasonable question. Here's the thing God wants us to move beyond logic and reason. I'm going to make, here, here's, the, here's the point of the sermon in one sentence, is uh, revelation will talk you into things that logic will try to talk you out of. All right, you can check out now. That was the message right there. But, but for those of you who want a little more, verse 35, the angel, so how can this be? Here's the logic. Here's the reasoning. This, these are good questions. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail, and nothing will be impossible with God. I love her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I want you guys to realize this. Everything about Christianity is impossible. I think like we think like there's some things, yeah, I can kind of do it in my own strength. No, you can't. If you do it in your own strength, that's called the flesh. Okay, everything's impossible. I want you to think about how impossible Christianity is. You can't even be a Christian unless you believe in dead raising. You have to believe Jesus was raised from the dead. Literally, entrance to Christianity is believing in dead raising. That's how supernatural this thing is right from the start, and it doesn't stop. Okay, it's just as supernatural to raise the dead as it is to have patience with two-year-olds. Some of you are like, I'm not sure which one's greater. Yeah, yeah. So Mary said to the angel, um, how will this be? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't understand this with my logic and understanding. 
And here's the difficulty for all many of us. We've been raised in an environment where logic and reason reign supreme. See, God gave you a brain. He wants you to use it. But there's a cutoff point where logic and reason are no longer of help in the realm of the spirit. You're going to need wisdom. You're going to need something beyond logic and reason. Uh, logic and reason. You're going to need revelation. You're going to need your sanctified imagination. You're going to need dreams and visions so that you can cope with the majesty and the, and the fullness of what the abundance of God wants to do through you. You'll eventually hit a time where logic is no longer good enough. In fact, I'm going to say this again. Logic becomes a stumbling block because logic will talk you out of things revelation will talk you into. Logic and reason are only helpful up to a point. Here's what God does. He sneaks past our logic and our reason and our natural mindset with dreams and visions and promises and angelic visitations that kind of supersedes our logic so we'll come into agreement with these things. So here's Joseph. He's engaged to Mary, and uh, her being pregnant didn't make any logical sense. There was no reasoning where this made sense because he knew he hadn't been with her. She was a virgin. So he planned to break off the marriage quietly. So what does God do? He bypasses Joseph's logic with a dream, comes him in the dream, explains this thing to him, and uh, so he could see things from heaven's perspective. Mary, she gets this announcement from this angel. This, uh, you're going to be pregnant. This doesn't make any sense. But she gets a, 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 an angelic visitation plus a promise that supersedes her logic and reasoning, but she still had to amen it. She still had to come into agreement and say, may it be unto me as you have said. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. When you don't understand, trust. That would be a second point of the message. I guess we're going to summarize it. When you don't understand, trust. What we need to realize is trust replaces our need to understand and have everything figured out. Guys, God's going to ask you to do some things that don't make any sense. I'm not talking about like, oh, I had this crazy thought. It must be God. I'm not, we've, all, we've all met that person, and we don't want to be that person. You know? I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. But the things God's going to do, I remember, um, I remember uh, sharing kind of some things that I felt like the Lord was dealing with. Uh, and, um, anyway, and the person said, you know, this, doesn't, this makes me uncomfortable. Well, that's why he gave you the comforter. Because when God calls you to do, you're not going to get your comfort from your exterior circumstances. You're going to get your comfort from the Holy Spirit that, he, that God said, I will be with you. Guys, you can't reduce your calling down to your comfort level. I don't know, man. That makes me a little nervous. Yeah, that's why he's with you. <laughs> the comforter. You're going to need him. It's not just for like when you feel bad. It's like you're going to be feeling stressed. All right, not stressed, but in your own strength. A promise is designed to deal with doubt and fear and unbelief. Your promise is the antidote to the fear and doubt and unbelief in your life. So God, God calls you to something. You, you get this promise. You're like, I don't know if I can do it. God's like, I gave you a promise. You should be like, why am I panicking? I have a promise. Sheesh. Like, what's going on here? You have a promise. That is the antidote. But that's God's part is the promise. And he said yes to it. None of God's promises come with a no. There's none of them. You can't look at a promise and he's like, nah, I was just kidding. Like, oh, no, no, that was for a different age. We're waiting for the millennium for that one to get passed on. Oh, no, no, that promise that passed away with the last of the apostles, you know. And I do believe that um, the promises will pass away with the last of the apostles. Just the last of the apostles haven't died yet. Still apostles. How are we doing? 
It should be like, I have a prophetic word. I have a verse of scripture that the Holy Spirit spoke to me six months ago. I'm going to be just fine. Jesus said, with people, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Let me give you your identity. Everything in your life is a possibility. Every issue in your life is a possibility for something wonderful to occur. You're like, Jim, I don't believe it. You can believe and receive, or you can doubt and do without. He's waiting for, he already said yes to all the promises. I like how Bill Johnson puts it. You know your mind is renewed when the impossible looks logical. Where the lens that we, where everything that we see has a lens of possibility. Listen, guys, your marriage situation is possible. Your financial situation is possible. Your health situation is possible. Your family situation is possible. God has said yes. He needs you to come into agreement with the amen. Everything in your life is designed for an upgrade. I'm not sure if you realize, every difficult situation that comes in your life is because God wants to add something to your life, not take something away. Some people are like, why is things so God? God, I want an upgrade. God, I want to walk in a greater dimension of you. Problem comes. Why is this problem coming? I must be doing something wrong. God says, hey, listen, he says, uh, uh, what does he say? <laughs> this is when you go off notes. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, now why on earth would you be like, happy birthday to me, I've got a trial? Why would you do that? Because you have heaven's perspective. Those trials are literally the stepping stones into your next level. Consider pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Listen, guys. Okay, we're going to get to it. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work. Are you ready for this? So that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. What's the point of a difficulty coming in your life? Lacking in nothing. I'm not saying every difficulty that comes in your life is of God, but he can win with any hand. He can win with a pair of twos. How many of you guys remember the show MacGyver? Not the new one. I watched about half an episode. That was stupid. The old MacGyver. MacGyver was amazing. I mean, uh, I, like, I, mean I, I don't know that I saw this exact episode, but he could take like a, a piece of bubble gum and a pine cone and make a time bomb out of it somehow. I'm like, how is he doing this? So MacGyver had this ability to take whatever was going on in his circumstance and use it for his own good, usually saving the world, right? So MacGyver's a lot like God in that aspect, perhaps only in that aspect. I don't know. And so the Bible says this, in all things, God works together for good. Now, some people misquote that. They say, God works together all things. No, it's in all things, God works. God doesn't cause your problems. A lot of people experience God's goodness in the midst of a difficulty. It doesn't mean that he's the author of that difficulty. His goodness is just so big, it might look like it. But God can win with anything, no matter what your situation, whether it's from the devil, whether it's from your own poor choice, whether God allowed it, whether it's not his will, whatever it is, he can use that for his purposes to make you more like Jesus. So there was another Joseph in the Bible. We have Joseph and Mary in the New Testament. But now we're going to go back a couple thousand years to Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was from the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His dad was Jacob. So he's one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And so his brothers were really jealous of him. So he, Joseph had a tough life, but you know what he had? He had a promise and he had a dream. There were things that didn't make sense. So his brothers were Joseph. They sell him into slavery. They tell his dad that he's dead. And Joseph, uh, I'm not going to take you through the whole story. You can read Genesis 37 through 50 for yourselves. But, the, um, but Joseph goes from the pit to the palace. 
And uh, I love there's this phrase. And so uh, Joseph, he's just saved the entire nation with this revelation that he got from God. The dream has been fulfilled that he had as a child. And his brothers come and they're bowing down to him, just like he had in this dream. And he has the opportunity to really lay it on him. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's never been an opportunity like this where the people who have done you wrong are now groveling at his feet. And, um, and I, I love Joseph's response. See, you can tell the kind of character he had by the way he responds to those who have hurt him. Genesis 50, 20. Here's what he says to his brothers. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, Joseph, he was sustained by dreams and promises from the Lord. And here's the most common promise in the scriptures. I will be with you. So throughout the story of Joseph, we see this phrase, and the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. One of the promises we get reminded of in the holiday season here is uh, the name Emmanuel. Listen to Matthew 1.23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus came to introduce to you a with God life. Literally, every aspect of it you get to do with God. Every circumstance is going to make you more effective and more powerful if you remember that you're doing it with God. There's never a situation that comes to you that doesn't come to the Christ in you. You get to do this life with God. Every eventuality that may arise in your life can be covered by this promise, I will be with you. You guys know this is the gospel, right? This is the glad tidings that bring great joy, was that Emmanuel, God, will be with us. And so I remember I was, uh, I, I, when I was in seminary, I worked in a psychiatric ward, an adult inpatient psychiatric ward. And uh, I, I swore my job was to play table tennis with the patients, but it wasn't. I just, I just treated it like it was. That, that was kind of, I'm not going to get into that. So the joke was that, um, yeah, is that when they first came in and their medications weren't steadied, that uh, I could beat them. Once their medications were steadied, they could beat me, and that's how they knew it was time to be released. And so anyway... And so um, every, every uh, night, sh- so I, I, had the, I worked mo- mostly the morning shift. And so whenever you come on a new shift, they would kind of do like a 15-minute debrief. Uh, one of the nurses would kind of give you a report on all the patients and what had happened. So I remember I walked in uh, one, one of the shifts, and uh, they, they told me this tale of this person who had this, um, what she described as supernatural strength. It turned out this person was uh, the son of a witch doctor. And uh, so he apparently went on some kind of demonic tirade. And so he was picking up furniture and smashing it. And he had picked up one of the um, hospital workers and thrown them across the room into a wall and hospitalized them. This had my attention at the, uh, at the morning thing. So I'm like, man, there's no part of this that I'm enjoying. And so, um, so I'm kind of going through the shift. And all of a sudden, it's his room. And it's noisy in there. And there's thrashing and yelling. And, uh, and so it was my job to go check it out. So I go down there with fear and trembling, and um, so I go down there, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And he turns, and he growls at me, and I thought, oh, Lord, you know, like, Lord, receive my spirit. Like, it's been a good run, you know, <laughs> to care of Mary and the kids, and so, um, and all of a sudden, I, I, like, I don't know what happened, but he gets this fear in his eyes, and all of a sudden, like, he going, he's throwing stuff down, and he goes, and he, and he calms down. And uh, I was like, man, like, Mom, this guy's recognizing my authority. This is about time somebody's recognizing this. And as I'm kind of looking around, I look, and there's a guy standing behind me. And uh, there, was a, there was one of the um, workers there. We called him Big Rick. Big Rick was 6'8", 320. And um, apparently, uh, it wasn't my awesome authority he was recognizing. Big Rick came in the room. And I found that when I recognized that Big Rick was with me, 
I had a confidence come over me that was unexplainable. I began talking to this patient almost like trash talk. I'm like, yeah, you better settle down. I got some good news for you guys. There's someone who's way better than Big Rick that's with you. It is the most frequent uh, promise in Scripture, I will be with you. That is God's promise, and he's waiting for you to amen it. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and I want us to, uh, to sing that song we sang at the end because all the promises of he's saying, you know, you're coming and you're going and in the morning and you're rising, all those are, those are quotes right from Scripture. That's God saying yes, and as we sing it, I want us to say an amen to it. And as you're coming up, I want to teach you guys the ten-finger prayer. You guys know the ten-finger prayer? Anyone know the ten-finger prayer? Oh, you guys don't know this, do you? Here's the ten-finger prayer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right, so I just want you guys to use that as a prompt. Maybe you notice your finger. Maybe you notice the number ten throughout this week. But as the team's setting up, just, just uh, as you guys are, don't sing it yet, I want you to just take a minute or two, and I want you to go through each word. I. Hold on, let's put up the scripture. Oh, there it is right there. I. I want you to personalize it. Can. I want you to get, get in the positive. Like this is do. You know, I want you to just take, a, just take a few seconds on each word. Well, let's just say the 10-finger prayer together. You guys ready? You got your, got, got your instruments ready? You got your props ready? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are, we've just memorized the scripture together. Can you believe this? Merry Christmas to you, all right? So um, as, as you guys, you maybe just start playing just a second here, just kind of drown out things out. But I want you to just take a minute here, and I want you to just go through each one of those things with the Lord, because I guarantee there's a situation that you're facing, you're going to need him. The whole Christian life's impossible. So let's just take a minute and then we're going to put our amen on God's promises with this song. So let's just take a moment. Go ahead and stand, stand and sing this, and let's put our amen on these promises. Upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face.